Future Proof Extra with Jonathan McRae. Proudly supported by Science Foundation Ireland on News Talk. Now, believe it or not, for a very long time, it was widely believed that birds had no sense of smell. But that didn't sit right with my next guest. She is Danielle J. Whitaker, evolutionary biologist and managing director of the Caldax Centre for Oldest Ice Exploration. She's also author of The Secret Perfume of Birds, Uncovering the Science of Avian Scent. Welcome to the programme, uh, Danielle. You're a primatologist first, uh, right? So what got you interested in birds in the first place? Hi, yeah, so I did my PhD in physical anthropology and I studied primates and behavior and genetics. And uh, when I graduated with my PhD, I really wanted to do something a little bit different. It was very challenging working in the rainforest in Indonesia. Um, and then I found a lab at Indiana University uh, working with uh, Ellen Ketterson, who studies studies birds. She studies dark-eyed juncos on a long-term uh, research project. And I joined her lab as a postdoc. Uh, and I was really interested in understanding how birds choose mates. And those are the animals I've been working with ever since, honestly. Um, so before we get into the, the nose part and, and the smelling, how are birds different from other animals? Well, they're different in many ways, and a lot of it has to do with adaptations to being able to fly. Um, a lot of changes have occurred anatomically um, over evolutionary time, including, uh, so for example, in females, only the right ovary develops. Um, the other one doesn't develop, and that's to reduce weight. And there's a lot of little adaptations like that. The brains are also a little bit different. Uh, we have this joke that, you know, bird brains, right? Birds have very small brains. People think they're not very smart. But in fact, their brains are... Um, uh, the, the neurons are packed much more tightly than what we see in mammals, for example, uh, suggesting that they are just as smart with uh, smaller brain mass. And if you want to talk about noses, that's another place where they're really different. Right. Well, they they, um, <laughs> they have hollow bones as well, don't they? But um, in their yes. in their the structure on their face, there are two holes where I always presumed there were noses, but actually, um, that that up until recently, that has not been considered to be a functioning nose and that, it, that, that people thought that birds did not smell. Can you explain how this came about, please? Sure. Uh, it dates back actually to the 19th century. Uh, John James Audubon, who is very famous for his beautiful illustrations of birds, was also interested in studying them. And he had this idea that was fairly prevalent at the time that for one thing to evolve in an animal, there had to be a trade-off. You had to have give something else up. And birds are very well known for having great visual acuity. And so his idea was that, well, they must have lost another sense. And he thought that had to be smell. So at the time, it was believed that vultures used their sense of smell to find carrion to eat. Um, and he set out with a set of very poorly designed experiments to prove that they actually used sight rather than uh, scent to find dead animals on, under, on the ground. I'm sorry, sorry, how long ago was that? That was in the 19th century. And so how long did this myth that birds don't smell last? Well, it's interesting. There was actually a scientific debate that went on for decades. Uh, there were two groups of people who called themselves Nosarians and Anti-Nosarians uh, based on a, uh, a novel. But um, there are a lot of little experiments trying to show one way or the other. And then it kind of 
nobody talked about it for a while. It really wasn't until the 1960s uh, when a couple of scientists, Bernice Wenzel was one, started looking at this idea and started showing that actually birds do have a sense of smell. But those studies didn't get a lot of attention. So you can still find behavior textbooks and you can find entries on Wikipedia that say birds don't have a sense of smell. I'm sorry, like, I'm not a scientist, so I'm going to say that up front, but I've spoken to many scientists about training animals to do things. And this seems to me a really easy thing to determine scientifically. Why is it not easy? I mean, why can't you train an animal to go to the reward that that, that creates a scent? That's an interesting question. There have been a number of studies that have tried this, and it really depends on the scent that you use. Um, it turns out that animals will only respond to scents that are biologically meaningful to them. So you can give a bird like a synthetic scent and if it doesn't hurt them or doesn't attract them because it doesn't smell like food, they're not going to respond to it. But when you find a scent that's related to their biology, so say it's the scent of a food that they're looking for, um, you can successfully train them to do that. And that was one of the things that was important in showing that birds had a sense of smell. Yeah, and again, not to be, <laughs> but why wasn't that done 70 years ago like why 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 i mean that seems fairly straightforward to me what was the what why, why did we why do we still have some people thinking that birds can't smell and, and and is there an experiment that has definitively proven that now uh well i'd say there's a number of good experiments that have definitively proven it um but back to the question of why that was out there uh people seem to find it easy to believe as, as i think what happened uh, we also have this belief that humans don't have a very good sense of smell compared to other mammals. Like if you compare us to dogs, we like to say, oh, well, my sense of smell is nothing like a dog's. But actually, it turns out that, you know, we, we, we actually do just fine. We just don't think about it. Um, and this actually dates back to the same time as John James Audubon. There were experiments, there, were, there was work done on brain anatomy. And there was this idea that um, because the forebrain in humans had evolved to be so large, uh, it was thought that this was the home of free will in the brain, um, that we had given up our sense of smell as a result. And this kind of thing wasn't really questioned. But I will say that more recently, there's been a lot of great work. Um, in particular, I like to cite Gabrielle Nevitt's work on seabirds. Uh, birds like albatrosses will fly for days and days over open ocean, and they will swoop down to get fish in the sea. And they find that fish by following scent that's given off by plankton, phytoplankton in the ocean. Uh, there's a chemical called DMS that's given off. And when there's a lot of phytoplankton in one place, it, this emanates from the ocean. And that tells you where a lot of fish will be because they're they're eating the phytoplankton. And so Gabrielle Nevitt did some great work using um, DMS in uh you know, just in a solution, and she would give it off in different concentrations and was able to very clearly show that seabirds were attracted to this scent. There's also been some really cool work with kiwis, uh, looking at uh, the scent of ground up earthworms and dirt because they forage around in the dirt. So again, it's about finding relevant scents for the animals you're working with. So uh, because I was thinking I was going crazy. Um, I had to literally Google pictures of birds' heads to be totally sure. But like those two nostrils on the side of the beak um, that we see in all birds, were they seen as some sort of evolutionary hangover and defunct or do they serve another purpose in birds? Well, they're important for breathing, right? So, uh, but unlike nostrils in mammals, they don't move, right? So you don't see birds 
sniffing. Um, they, they are aligned with a nasal mucous membrane, just like ours. Uh, one of the things that's different, though, is that the olfactory bulb, the part of the brain that receives messages from the olfactory receptors that are in your nasal passages, is quite small in birds relative to the rest of the size of the brain. So that was one reason why people dismissed it. Um, another is that they actually lack an entire organ that most other uh, vertebrate animals have, uh, and that's called the vomeronasal organ. It's your accessory olfactory system. So like if you've ever walked your dog and you stopped and sniffed where another dog has peed and you'll see like sometimes if he's really excited, his mouth will open a little bit or a cat will do that. What they're doing is they're exposing their vomeronasal organ to allow scent from these protein-based uh, pheromones that are present in those, uh, in those liquids to get to that organ. So that's a really important part of mammals uh, detecting pheromones. Birds don't have that at all. That organ doesn't exist. So that was another reason people thought that scent wasn't important. Right. And um, would it be fair to say that the sense of smell from a bird versus a mammal of comparative size is weaker or... That's very hard to compare um, because we don't know how two different animals will experience a scent, but they have shown the ability to detect odors at low thresholds. Like if you take a particular compound, um, you can what you can do is you can take a bird and you can measure things like their breathing rate and their heart rate and detect when they sense something and if their mm. body reacts to it. And they can react to certain scents at the same low concentrations that mammals do. Uh-huh. We talked a little bit about uh, humans' uh, scent. And uh, people might be familiar uh, with that very famous experiment in which a researcher got uh, men uh, uh, to wear sweaty T-shirts and then um, got volunteers to sniff them and found that there was a compatibility uh, between the, the T-shirts that the, the women volunteers liked and, uh, and their DNA. And this is something to do with uh, the major histocompatibility complex. Um, and the idea was that people who were drawn to each other's scent uh, also showed um, genetic diversity. This MHC, the, the major histocompatibility complex, that also plays a role in birds mating choices. Is that right? Yes, it can, for sure. Um, so the MHC, for short, is involved in your immune system. And the idea here is that you'd be attracted to someone with different MHC genes from your own, so that when you have offspring together, your kids will have a mixture of your two genes, it'll be more diverse, and they'll be better able to fight off diseases. So evolutionarily, uh, it's very adaptive to be attracted to someone with different genes from your own. Um, that was actually the reason I started studying bird scent in the first place, because I was interested in whether birds were using these genes to choose mates. And it turns out that animals sense each other's genes through their scent. And someone said to me, well, you shouldn't bother studying MHC in birds because they don't have a sense of smell, which is how I got where I am today. Right. And so tell me a little bit about your work. Sure. Uh, so I work with dark-eyed juncos. Uh, they're a kind of sparrow that are found throughout North America. Um, and I originally was, like I said, interested in understanding how they chose their mates and whether MHC played a role. But then I got derailed by this idea that they didn't have a sense of smell. Uh, so I started out doing a little side project to see if that was true. Um, I work with a secretion called preen oil. So birds have one major um, exocrine gland. So like we have glands all over our body, like sweat glands and things like that. Birds just have one. And it's located above the base of the tail. It's called a uropygial gland. It secretes this oil called preen oil. And we call it that because when birds are preening, they take the oil onto their bill and they spread it all over their feathers where it helps protect them, uh, wow. helps keep their feathers clean and nice. And this oil also gives off odor. 
Um, and we knew that already, but we were thinking about it in terms of, you know, well, maybe they want to camouflage their scents when they are sitting on a nest, for example, so that predators don't find them. Uh, but someone else in my lab, Sarah Schrock, had recently found that actually when birds were breeding, they created more of these odors in their prune oil than when they weren't breeding, which led me to think, well, wow, that might be something important in mate choice. Uh, so I did a little experiment where I put this prune oil on nests to see if it affect, affected females' behavior, and it turned out if I put prune oil from a different species on their nest, they would react by getting up and leaving their nest more quickly. Nice. Um, yeah, so that led me to say, wow, there's something going on here. So then I spent several years um, trying to understand what information was present in prune oil, um, how those odors were produced, and how it affects behavior. When you say what information is in the prune oil, do you mean stuff like whether or not uh, the prene oil um, compounds give off a scent that can tell a potential mate whether or not the bird was healthy or diseased or from a certain family or genetic history? What, what information do you mean? Yes, all of that, actually. Uh, so there's information about individual identity. Um, so each bird has kind of their own unique odor signature. Uh, information about what species Sorry, they each, are. each bird or each bird species has its own scent? Well, both. So there are species-specific scents. So all birds in the same species will have the same particular, like the same kinds of compounds, but each individual will vary in um, how much of each compound they have, just like humans all smell a little bit different to us. Wow. And there's also information about whether they're male or female. Uh, so males will have more of some compounds and females will have more of others. It will relate to whether or not they're in breeding condition. Uh, it does relate to how healthy they are. And it can even predict how aggressive they will be in response to an intruder on their territory. Wow. Is it something you found out? Yes, yes. I worked with uh, my colleague Kim Roswell on that. And we did a, a really interesting study on aggression and odor. That is very cool. When you were researching this um, and you, you met researchers who thought, oh, you know, birds can't smell anyway, did, did you think this is an exciting field for me to explore because I think they're wrong? Or do, do you think that there are quite a number of these misconceptions out there when you look at zoologists um, uh, ornithologists looking at birds and animals? There, there may be a lot of these sort of assumptions that, that haven't properly been tested in the field. Yeah, there are actually quite a lot of assumptions that we're now starting to really focus on. Um, so smell was one of them. I was like, when I when I started looking into this, I couldn't find much research at the time. Now there's a lot more. Uh, but at the time, I was like, this is wide open. This is a really new area that someone can do research on. Uh, there's a lot of other examples right now, too. So for a long time, it was believed that um, female birds who had ornaments, so like if you look at um, many species of birds, we think of males being the colorful ones and females being drab. But there are other birds like uh, northern cardinals in North America, where both the males and the females have this crest on their head. They're both bright red. And a lot, for a long time, it was thought that if females were pretty, it was just sort of, they just sort of came along evolutionarily with the males. It didn't actually serve a function in females. But there's been a lot more research now showing that that was just an assumption we were making based on gender roles in humans. And it turns out females will fight with each other over resources the same way that males will fight with each other. And there's a lot of very important uh, aspects to these kind of characteristics and their competition with other females. Oh, wait, so you're saying that, that, that theory about evolution, that um, males evolved to be more beautiful because they have to fight over mates, you're saying that that is 
potentially under question? No, I'm saying that the idea that females didn't have to com compete evolutionarily is wrong, right? right. So they're, they're not just these passive egg-laying reproducers, right? They also have uh, evolutionary things going on. <laughs> <laughs> indeed, indeed they do. Uh, well, uh, bird power. Um, uh, and, oh, and and more <laughs> more power to him. Uh, really interesting. I, I really loved hearing about that. There's loads more interesting facts and research in the book. It's called The Secret Perfume of Birds, Uncovering the Science of Avian Scent. It's by Danielle Whitaker. Danielle, thanks for your time. Thank you so much. Future Proof Extra with Jonathan McRae. Proudly supported by Science Foundation Ireland on News Talk.